Well, good morning, Chapel Hill. Hey, my name is Ellis White. It's great to be with you this morning. I'm an assistant pastor here at Chapel Hill. 23rd of July, 2017, big day for Washington State. Am I right? Anyone know why this is a big day for Washington State? Yeah, actually, a little moment of confession here. Did anyone use their phone on the way in? Anyone while they were driving in? No? Anyone drink a cup of coffee on the way in? Yeah, I see a few hands there. I'm thinking, of going, I'm thinking of starting something new if anyone wants to come in on me with this. Some sort of like hands-free drinking thing, like a straw coming out of the steering wheel. So you can kind of go in, just sip it while you're going along. Do you think that would be legal? I don't know. I'm wondering about it. Um, I'm originally from England, and when I was growing up, I played a lot of rugby. Now, if you don't know what rugby is, it is basically a tougher version of American football. I might be a little bit biased on that one. In the summer, it was kind of the, the off-season for rugby, and I'd generally be pretty lazy. I, uh, I wouldn't tend to, to do a lot. I'd, I'd eat, I'd uh, have fun, and then the fall would roll around, and it'd be the start of the new rugby season. And I would dread the start of a new rugby season, because every season would begin with a pre-season camp. Okay? And it was like the coaches took all of the workouts that they could think of that were the worst workouts in the world, and they stacked them together two times a day for a whole week. Okay, I would live in fear of this all summer long. We would show up, and you would find grown men lying on the floor, writhing in pain, coaches screaming at them, get up, get up, keep running, and by the end of the first session, half the team had thrown up on the sidelines because they'd overexerted themselves. I mean, I would dread this stuff. I would not look forward to it one bit, but I knew I had to do it if I was going to play the rest of the season. I knew it was something that I had to go through. You know, sometimes there are things in life, whether it's rugby preseason or whether it's a, a new law about how we use our cell phones, that, things that we have to do, right? But sometimes we don't want to do them. Sometimes we struggle with that in life. We can be a little bit afraid of them. Maybe there are some other things you can think of, like a difficult conversation that you've had to have with a family member or a friend. Maybe it's a a difficult decision you've had to make, a financial decision, and and you you know you've got to do it, but but you're afraid, you're you're worried, you're you're living a little bit in fear of what might happen. We, We all have these things in our lives, and this morning we're going to meet someone who is facing up to something similar in their life. We've been in this Best Supporting Actor series here at Chapel Hill. We've been looking at different kind of minor characters throughout the Bible who don't have that headline role, but play a really important role in God's story. And we've looked at Jonathan and John Mark. We've looked at Jochebed and last week, Elisha. And this morning, we're going to look at a young man named Timothy. Now, Timothy was another one of the Apostle Paul's disciples. Timothy was uh, born in a city called Lystra, which is in modern-day Turkey. And he was born into a mixed-race family. His dad was a Greek, his mom was a Jew, and he was brought up in the Jewish faith. And we can surmise that on Paul's first missionary journey, when he passed through Lystra, he actually brought the gospel to Timothy, and Timothy responded and became a believer for the first time. So Paul was instrumental in Timothy coming to be a Jesus follower. And Paul traveled a little bit more for a couple of years, and then on his second missionary journey, he, put, he went through Lystra again. And he saw Timothy for a second time, and he took a liking 
to this young man. And so he said to Timothy, hey, Timothy, I want you to come with me and I want you to travel around with me as I go on my travels. And so began this incredible relationship between a disciple maker and a, and a disciple between Paul and Timothy. You know, these two really grew deeper and deeper in relationship and love with one another. At one point, Paul writes about Timothy that Timothy is his child in the faith. Many people think that Timothy's father died when he was young and Paul almost became like a, a spiritual father for Timothy. They were close. And Timothy really began to thrive under Paul's mentorship, discipleship. So much so that Paul started sending Timothy as his representative to different churches. He sent him to Corinth, the church in Corinth. He sent him to Philippi. And finally he sent him to Ephesus. Timothy really partnered with Paul in a lot of other things too. He, he's listed as the co-author of six of Paul's letters in the New Testament. And Paul wrote two letters specifically to Timothy when he was in Ephesus. And it's there that I want us to look this morning for the text that we're going to study. So if you can grab a Bible or grab your phone and open up your Bible app to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And as you're doing that, let me give you a little bit of a background on what is going on for Timothy at the time that Paul is writing. Timothy is in the city of Ephesus. Paul sent him there to lead the church. And this is not an easy call. Okay, Ephesus, has, uh, the church has been infiltrated by false teachers who are teaching a false gospel. And it's resulting in all sorts of things going on in the church. There's, there's fighting going on between different members of the church. There's people in the church who are puffed up with pride. And there's people in the church who, who, who are really greedy. And so Timothy's got this hard call from Paul to, to go to Ephesus to stand up to this false teaching and lead this church through that. And Timothy's actually in kind of a tough spot here. And so Paul's writing these two letters as, as letters of encouragement to Timothy. And so let's read a few verses from 2 Timothy 1 this morning and take a look at what Paul says. We're, we're going to look at verses 5 to 7 in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul writes, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, that is because of your faith, in light of your faith, Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you to speak to us this morning. Would you bring to life the words of these texts, the, the words that Paul wrote to Timothy? I pray that within them we may find a word for us this morning, wherever we are at. God, would you open our hearts up to receive this? Would your spirit speak this morning? And would we be transformed? For the name and for the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So Timothy's in Ephesus. He's got to lead this church. He's got all this false teaching and opposition going on. And so he's, he's probably in a place where he's thinking, I've got to do this stuff, but I'm not sure. I, I'm, a little bit, I'm a little bit afraid of, of, of following through with it. Not only is this going on, but we find out that Paul is in Rome as he's writing this letter, and he's under arrest, and he is facing execution. So this is like Timothy's spiritual father is facing death. So Timothy's got all this stuff in the church going on, and then he's got a spiritual father over here who is facing death. 
And I imagine Timothy as well was probably in a place where he was worried about being arrested. We find out in Hebrews that Timothy was arrested at one point. And I imagine Timothy was probably worried that he was going to get executed too. Because tradition has it that Timothy was executed later on. So Timothy's in this place. He's got all these things going on in his life. The church. He's got his own worries about the Romans and what they're going to do to him. He's got his worries about his spiritual father. And I think he was in a place where he was thinking about packing it all in. Where he was wondering about packing it all in. Why why do I think this? Well, I think this from what Paul says in this letter. And I also think this because of something else we find out about Timothy in another of Paul's letters. In 1 Corinthians, we find out that Timothy was kind of timid. You might call him Timid Tim. All right? Now, Timid Tim got sent earlier on to the city of Corinth, to the church there. There was false teaching going on there as well. And it seems like maybe Timothy didn't quite come through in the way that Paul had hoped he would. Paul had to write another letter. He had to follow up on some things, and it uh, it didn't quite work out. And I wonder if in the back of Tim's mind, he's thinking through, man, is this the same thing that happened at Corinth? Is this going to happen again? Is this worth it? Should I be doing this? You know, he's he's got that timidity in his character, a little bit of that. He's got Paul going on over here. He's going to die. He's fear of arrest. He's got these false teachers. He's young. He's in the midst of this. And so Paul writes these words of encouragement to his young protege, Timid Tim. He says to him, verse seven, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now what's interesting about this word fear here in this verse is it's not the normal word that we see for fear used throughout the rest of the New Testament. The normal word for fear is phobos, from which we get the word phobia, all right? And that's used everywhere in the New Testament. And that's kind of this like startling alarm, okay? For me, it goes something like this. I always put my phone in that pocket and my wallet in that pocket and my keys in my back pocket so that when I leave somewhere, I can just go like this to check that I've got everything, right? Okay, so fear... Like the normal use of fear for me is I leave somewhere and I go, oh no, where's my phone? Where did I put it? Okay, that's fear. It's the sort of thing that would in in ancient times have been like a bear coming out and running at you on a trail. But nowadays it's just a phone missing from your pocket. All right. Okay, there's tw- I'm a millennial, okay? That's, that's what life is like, all right? That's the normal use of fear. That's not what's happening here. Okay, this word for fear is a different Greek word. It's the only time it's used in the New Testament. Delia is the word if you want to know it. And it's got more of a sense of cowardice. Okay, this, this lack of mental or moral strength. Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of a coward. He's not made you a coward, lacking in strength to stand up to the things that you have been called to. No, God has not given you the spirit of a coward, but he has given you a spirit of power so that you can stand against the false teaching. He's given you a spirit of love so that you can love those who might seem unlovable. And he's given you a spirit of self-control so that you can hold your tongue, so that you can weigh up things and make the right decision at the right time. Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of a coward, but the spirit of power. I remember when I was in my final year in uh, my undergraduate studies in Oxford, I was engaged to be married to my wife, Rachel, and we were preparing and planning for the wedding. She, after we got married, she was going to go on and do a teacher training degree, and 
I felt that God had called me to give up my master's in math that I, that I was initially pursuing and instead apply to the Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics to study for one year. We call it the, the OCA. And um, I, I was pursuing this. I'd applied for it. And then my college pastor came to me and he said, hey, Ellis, I know you're thinking about the OCA and all that, but how would you feel about coming and working for me next year? Now, I was a little bit flattered by this. I, I loved that church. I loved that college ministry. I loved my college pastor. And, and honestly, I, I was doing Oka in the hopes that one day I might be able to work for a church. And so I was thinking, man, I, I, maybe I, I'm good enough already. I can just skip out the process and, and jump straight to it. And the other thing was, I, I was thinking about my, my new wife, who I was going to have to provide for, right? And Oka was going to cost a lot of money. A lot of money. And I, I was thinking, man, I've got this burden. If I could take a job, that'd be great as well. And so although I, I had sensed God had called me to this, I started to think about running away from it. I started to think about pursuing this, this job and this opportunity. I, I, I started to talk about it with people. I spoke about it with friends and, and mentors and family, and, and they were equally torn. They, they didn't know what I should do. I started drawing up lists of pros and, and cons for each one. And, and, I, and, and honestly, I was... I was being a little bit of a coward. I knew God had called me to this, but I was afraid of the debt. I was afraid of the, 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 uh, trying to provide for my wife. I, I was afraid I was going to miss out on an opportunity over here. I was going to do this course and I was going to be left in no man's land. But I had this opportunity right here to do what I wanted to do. And I was in this place where I was thinking about running away from what God had called me to. Maybe you're in a place right now where you know God has called you to something and it's a little hard and you're thinking about running away from it. Maybe like Tim and Tim was thinking about running away from Ephesus. Maybe like I was thinking about running away from the Oka. Maybe there's something God has called you to that's hard right now. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's really hard to love the person that you committed to love. And you're thinking about giving up. Maybe it's really hard to be single right now. And you're thinking about just giving in to the temptation that's right next to you. Maybe it's really hard to love your kids. That relationship is tense. They're doing things you disagree with. And you're thinking about giving up. Maybe it's really hard to work your job right now that you, you felt God had called you to, but this, this is difficult. I don't, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm maybe, he, I don't know. For many of us, we encounter a point in our lives where it's hard to follow through on the thing God has called us to. And maybe you feel like timid Tim, a little bit. Like, maybe I want to run away from it. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. God has not given you the spirit of a coward to run away from what he has called you to. He's given you a spirit of power to stand up to it, of love to love those who you've been called to love, of self-control to make the right decisions and say the right things at the right time. That has been given to every single follower of Jesus. And so the question on my mind is, okay, if this is true, why, am I not, why, why don't I feel that? Why don't I sense that? Why isn't that how I'm living? Why am, I, why am I living in fear? 
And I think Paul tells us how we can experience it. Madison, can you pass me the, uh, this? This is how Paul says we can experience that spirit. Anyone know what these are? Bellows. Fireplace bellows. This is what Paul says in verse 6. He says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us, and this is where Paul tells us what the gift is, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Paul says to Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of power, the spirit of love, the spirit of self-control. He says to Timothy, you have that spirit within you. It's like a fire inside of you. But maybe that fire is burning dimly because the fear and the cowardice is crowding it out. Maybe it's not getting the oxygen that it needs and you need to fan that fire into flame so that you may know the spirit of power and the spirit of love and the spirit of self-control. Fan it into flame. Get your bellows, Timothy. Get your bellows and start pumping away. In my story, when I was thinking about running away from the ochre, I did something that I, I'll confess I've rarely done since. I took, I took a day off. I've done that since. Um, and I drove out into the Oxfordshire countryside. And I chose not to eat for the whole day. And I spent a whole day by myself praying to God. Because I knew that everything that was going on around me, being in the city, all of the, all of the, the chatter and the noise and, and the people I was talking to, the things I was, it was, it was crowding out the fire of the Spirit within me. And I needed to give the Holy Spirit some air in my life. And so I took that time. I took a day. I created that space, that room in my life. And God really met me on that day. He met me and he reminded me of a few things. He, he reminded me of who he is. He reminded me that he is my provider. That when he calls us to something, he will provide for that call. And I had to confess to him that day that I was not trusting him to provide. I was looking to myself to provide. I was looking to myself to provide for my wife. And I had to confess to him as well my own pride and selfish ambition that I wanted to skip the process and I wanted to get straight to the end result. That I was afraid of, of missing out on something, that, that I had it right here in front of me. And I had to confess and say, God, I'm sorry. And he reminded me of a day I'd had a few months earlier when I'd done the exact same thing in the exact same spot. And I felt him say to me, I want you to do Oka. I want you to give up your Masters of Mathematics and I want you to do this one-year course in apologetics. And so I left that day having made the decision that I was going to say no to this job and I was going to say yes to this course of study. And there was a risk involved in that. I knew there was a risk involved in that, but I knew that was what God was calling me to, and I had to do it. The very next day, I met up with a friend of mine. He was also a final year student. So he's deep in debt, just like me. 
And we meet up, we have coffee. He's been journeying with me in this process. He knows me well, he knows what's been going on. And I share with him, this is what happened yesterday and this is the decision that I'm going to make. And he said to me, good. Because God's been speaking to me as well. He said, I've worked the past few summers and I've taken all of the money that I've earned from working and I've put it in a savings account and I've been saving it so that I can do a master's degree. And I feel that God has spoken to me and he has told me that I need to give that money to you so that you can go and do Oka. My jaw hit the floor. (laughs) I said to him, "You, you can't do that. He said, I have to. I know it's the right thing. I've, I've talked to other people about this too. There's other people have said, yeah, I sense that what's God, that's what God is saying too. You know, I could have given in to the cowardice. I could have run away from my call. I could have chosen the job. I could have chosen the end result right there and then. I could have chosen to provide for myself. I could have let that fear and cowardice crowd out the fire of the Holy Spirit within me. But I would never have experienced the way that the spirit of power came to life in me and in the life of my friend. And honestly, I would not be here today if I had not done Oka. Because it was through Oka that I met Mark Toon and that I ended up at Chapel Hill. I don't know what God has called you to. You know, he called Timid Tim to Ephesus. He'd, he called me to study Oka. I don't know specifically what he's called you to, but there's some things that in general we're all called to. If you're married, you're called to love your spouse. And sometimes that's hard. If you have kids, you are called to love your kids. That is part of your call. If, if you sense that you've been called to a specific line of work, And God has called you to that. Sometimes it can be hard, but God has called you to that. As a believer, you've been called to the church of Jesus Christ. And sometimes it's hard to be called to the church of Jesus Christ because the church of Jesus Christ can be a very painful place to live. People can hurt one another in the church. We've all been called to love our neighbor and sometimes that's hard. When your neighbor's playing loud music at night and your kids are screaming, that's not happening. I'm not saying that that's going on with with my neighbor. Definitely not. But sometimes it can be hard to love your neighbor. And we've all been called to make disciples. We've all been called to go beyond these walls and make disciples. And sometimes it can be hard to step out and share our faith with people that are in our lives. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, a spirit of a coward, to run away from the things that he has called us to. He has given us a spirit of power and love and self-control. So the question is, are we going to get our bellows out and start fanning that spirit into flame? Are we going to start giving the spirit the air that the spirit needs so that we can experience that power in our lives? Or are we just going to let the fear and the cowardice crowd it out? So how are you doing? How are you doing? Are you giving the Spirit, the Holy Spirit within you, the air that it needs, the air that He needs in your life, the space He needs in your life? Are you taking time on a daily basis to pray? When you feel 
the anxiety or the fear coming in? Are you stopping? Are you breathing deeply? Are you asking God to come and fill you with his spirit in that moment? When you sense temptation coming, when you can see it on the horizon, maybe when it's right there, are you stopping and are you saying, God, Holy Spirit, come, help me. I need your help. Are you facing a big life decision? And are you taking enough time to pray about the decision that you are making? Maybe you even need to do something like I did. Fasting and praying. Maybe taking some solitude. How are you getting your bellows out and fanning that spirit into flame? Because when we give fire oxygen, it blazes in power. There's no stopping a fire that has a constant supply of oxygen. So how are you getting oxygen to the fire of the Holy Spirit within you? Now maybe you're, you're here today and you, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. But maybe, even though you're not a Christian, you can relate to this sense of fear, this sense of cowardice. There's something going on in your life that, that you're worried about. I want you to know that God desires for you to receive his Holy Spirit of power. He wants you to know the Holy Spirit. And do you know how I know that? Because he came himself in the person of Jesus to make a way so that we can have his spirit in our lives. Okay, our sin separated us from God. But God came in the person of Jesus, took that sin upon himself and made a way for us to be reconciled and reunited with God. And now God gives his spirit to those who want it. Paul said to Timothy, found into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And we have a prayer team here this morning who would love to lay hands on you and pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. Maybe today's the day that you say, I want to follow Jesus. I want the Holy Spirit in my life. I need to overcome this thing that I'm afraid of. Maybe that's the day for you. I want us all, regardless of where we are, to take some time as we close our service this morning. To take some time to wait, to pause, to grab our bellows and to get some oxygen to the fire within us. The band are going to come up and they're, they're going to play quietly in the background. And here's what I'd love us all to do. I'd love us all to close our eyes, take some silence and wait And pray this simple prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Maybe in your mind you want to visualize the things that that you, you sense fear about, the things that you're thinking about running away from, and just begin to mentally hand them over to God and say, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Take time now. Close your eyes and do that. come to you this morning, Spirit, and we ask that you would blaze in our hearts, that you would consume us from within, that you would overtake any sense of cowardice or fear, that you would set us free from a spirit of fear and that you would give us a spirit of power. God, that we may be able to stand, that we may be able to stand for you, we may be able to respond to the call that you have in our lives. Would you empower us, God, by your Spirit? 
Or would you give us a spirit of love? Will we be able to love our neighbor? Will we be able to love our family? Would we be able to love those around us? God, will we be able to minister the love of Jesus to them? God, would we be able to share the good news about Jesus and what he has done out of love for those around us in word and in deed? And God, would you give us a spirit of self-control? May we have a sound mind. May we be able to make the right decisions. Would you help us to hold our tongue? Would you help us not to give in to temptation? Would you help us to fight, empowered by your spirit within us? And God, would you help us to take the bellows that we need on a daily basis and start pumping that oxygen to the fire? That your spirit may blaze in power in our lives and that we may walk out the calling that you have for us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.